1: This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
2: Some folks don't stop searching till they find the truth. And if you've got the eye of a detective, June's Journey is the game for you. Play as June Parker in a gripping murder mystery adventure as you find hidden objects to help solve her sister's death. You'll hunt for clues in hundreds of beautifully illustrated scenes set in the roaring 20s. With more than a thousand scenes filled with clues, there's always something new to discover. You may even trek across the globe for your next lead. Every week, new chapters are added with new characters to meet and places to search. Plus, there are tons of fun, unique features to keep you entertained. From building your own island estate with expansive gardens and beautiful buildings to collecting scraps of information on each character to fill your photo album. You can even play with or against other players by joining a detective club. Find your first clue by downloading June's Journey today, available on Android and iOS mobile devices, as well as on PC through Facebook games.
3: Welcome to a Celtic state of mind. I'm Paul John Dykes and on a Thursday for the Axon Bulletin, I'm always delighted to welcome JP Mason to the show. How are you doing, JP?
4: Good uh, morning slash afternoon, Paul. Uh, Pretty good. I've just uh, poured an exceptional cup of coffee, I have to say. Ken was going on about his custard creams yesterday, so I'm going to pontificate about my cup of coffee.
3: Well, these are the things that you've got to prepare uh, for a one-hour chat all (laughs) around Celtic. But yeah... Breakfast, stroke, um, lunch for yourself because you do work a lot of nights, JP. You're in the music industry and a lot of your discussions lead us into that, um, much to the derision of some people within the comment section. <laughs> there is a wee bit of music going to come into today's discussion, although we will try and um, have a Celtic uh, connection to that. There's, it's International Week, JP, but there's always something to talk about in relation to Celtic. There's been a big interview with Ange Um, over in Australia that started to filter through. Uh, We were up at Celtic Park yesterday, Um, Kelvin, Natasha and I speaking to Anthony Ralston about this Saturday's uh, women's game. Caitlin Caitlin Hayes was also there, spoke to her as well. And we're putting that video together just now. Um, And of course, there's been the announcement that Celtic have accepted a ticket allocation for Ibrox. We'll be talking about some of the the possible... um, Injuries, the concerns that we might have for uh, the Ibrox game and uh, the possibility that Kyogo might actually return to the squad. And if that is the case, what do we do with him? But before we go any further, JP, talk to me about this jersey over your right shoulder. Is that yeah. is that really in tribute to Carol Starfield? It is.
4: It is, eh? And his call-up. And I his call uh, just saw so as well today, not to go completely off-topic, but Fraser Forster got called up for... England squad as well, which is pretty interesting.
5: interesting. Mm-hmm.
4: I don't bear any ill will towards the guy. I mean he did he did us really well when he played for us, so I'm quite quite glad to see him getting getting international recognition. But I'm really glad to see Carl Stafford get international recognition as well because I mean as much as he's he's criticized still by uh people in the in the support I mean, if there's better Swedish centre-halves playing at that level and keeping out the queen sheets that he is. You know, I said to somebody, I think on Saturday, he gave somebody a really bad pass at one point near the back. I, I don't know if you, you may not remember this. It was a pretty, uh, you know, uh, innocuous moment. You know, it wasn't like a kind of big... It wasn't. It didn't cause us great concern, but he put a bit, of, a bit of power into a pass to maybe Greg Taylor or maybe Cameron Carter-Vickers. And there was a kind of like that, you know, because he'd sort of overhit a pass quite close to our penalty box. Mm-hmm. And I said to somebody, "I was like, there'll be loads of people right now that will turn around and say he's had a bad game based on that pass. You know, they'll make that judgment on him based on that pass. There won't be about anything else he does in the game, or the fact that we finished with zero goals conceded or in like that. It was, you know, I think because of things like that, people people are still kind of a bit down on him, which is. I guess it's the nature of being a, a centre-half and, you know, when when you fluff your lines as a right-back, as a right-winger a right winger or a left-winger or a striker, you kind of get away with it. You're given the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. And I mean, a centre-half, there's just no, no mercy. It's like, oh, oh, oh he's, he's got a mistake in him, you know, he's, he's a bomb-scare, he's this, he's that. And um, Carter Vickers has, has done that a couple of times as well. Yeah,
3: yeah. yeah. I agree with you because... You're right, if Jota or Abada overhit across JP or cut inside and Sky won over the bar, mm. it's not at the forefront of your mind when you're thinking about how they played in that game. And I guess yeah. this is where I find people like Alan Morrison who comes on to Axon once a month on a Friday um, and other uh, staticians, staticians, I was going to call them statos, um, a wee 1990s reference there for the fantasy football fans amongst us. Um, but these stats, what I find interesting is the fact that we all have that perception, we've all got that bias, be that a particular player or a team or whatever, and a scenario is viewed through that prism. So although we're all capable of observing and then sharing your thoughts on your observations, I do find it interesting to then back that up or otherwise with the stats. And uh, the Carol Starfield thing, I've been watching his recent performances and I actually think he's been the most assured centre-half out of that partnership because Carter Vickers has been getting a a lot of praise and rightly so because he's been a fantastic player this season but I just think Carol Starfield has finally grown into that role for Celtic, and like you say if you're still getting international recognition um, you're doing a lot right as for Fraser Foster the interesting thing about that is that was almost like the first the first moment of a multitude of moments that resulted in the catastrophe of last season, yeah. the fact that he didn't come back—that was that was the first moment, wasn't it? Really, um, and it, then there was a domino effect all the way through the season. Um, it brings to my mind, and I, I'm not suggesting this for a moment because I didn't actually know Fraser Foster was in the squad. JP, is Joe Hart's international career over? Is he retired from international football and all that?
4: Um, I'm not. I don't recall ever hearing that. Uh... I mean, he, he fell massively out of favour, didn't he? Because he was, he basically wasn't getting a game anywhere.
5: Yeah.
4: From what I, I'm, mean, I wasn't studying Joe Hart's career prior to him signing for Celtic. Because, as I've said before on here, I didn't really have a lot of time for Joe Hart. Not, not in terms of like, I didn't like absolutely hate the guy, but I just didn't really. he was, it was Man City. It was, you know, it was England. It was just, wasn't somebody that I ever really paid attention to. But he's changed my way of thinking about him completely since he's arrived at Celtic and the way that he's, you know, conducted himself on and off the park, um, the way he speaks, the way that, the way that you know that he's at the club for the right reasons. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? He's at, yeah. I don't, I don't know the ins and outs of <clears throat> excuse me as as financial package at Celtic. Um, I don't think he took as much of a drop in wages as people maybe really think he did, but at the same time, he's not earning anywhere near. What he was earning in England, you know, which would have been closer to six figures a week, probably. And um, so he's here, and he's he's just he's here to enjoy his football in the in the sort of latter part of his career. And yeah, so I I, I don't know. I mean, I, the way that the way that Joe Hart's played, you know, certainly wouldn't rule him out getting a, a, a cap again. But it's tough, isn't it? I mean, that's Fraser Forsberg. It's taken him five years to get back in, and he's only got back in due to injury. injury. Is that
3: the is that the absence? Five years. Yeah.
4: I, I just wow. I saw, I saw the tweet this morning from the England national team Butter, saying getting his first call up and uh, picture of him with his, his arms folded, looking suave with his England hoodie on, and I said first call up since October twenty seventeen. So I mean that's that's, incredible. that's mad, isn't it? Like that is incredible. A five year absence from international football. And all because of the decisions he made. You know, he decided to stick at it at Southampton. He decided mm-hmm. to go back to Southampton when he could have easily been the first team keeper at Celtic. We'll never know the real reasons why that didn't transpire. You know, why that didn't come up, come off at the start of last season. Um, there's all sorts of rumours that you know he never said yes, and you know that he was, he was always going to want to give it a, a shot. But he's been—I think—he's been the first choice keeper for Southampton since the turn of the year. Um, and Aston Huttle obviously rates him, mm-hmm. and you know uh, it's one of those. Once, once, once you get your your uh, your, your feet on the line, so to speak, in, in a in a in a goalkeeper's position down there, you know it's yours until you make an absolute howler or a, a stream of howlers, and he's obviously done all right. So, I fair play to him.
3: Absolutely fair play to the big man. Now. We've got plenty of comments coming in, and I will be sharing as many as we possibly can. Tosh the Coglu Junior Malone. Apologies, I didn't even realise we were late. I thought it said 30 minutes on my my digits in the top right-hand corner, but I was trying to allow JP to finish his breakfast. The timekeeping on here is non-existent, to quote Martin O'Neill. Shocking, shocking. Tony was talking about that interview actually quite recently. I remember it. (laughs)
4: <laughs> Remember it well. I watch, watched that game in the uh, the volunteer arms and basket. Remember Martin O'Neill's face on this giant screen and the uh, and the volunteer and 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 he was as raging as all of us were that that night with that penalty because it was just absolutely to, to lose a penalty in a game of that magnitude like that. You know, it's all very well.
2: Some folks don't stop searching till they find the truth. If you've got a detective's eye, June's Journey is the game for you. Play as June Parker in a gripping murder mystery as you find hidden objects to help solve her sister's death. You'll hunt for clues in hundreds of beautifully illustrated scenes set in the Roaring Twenties. New chapters are added weekly. Find your first clue by downloading June's Journey today. Available on Android and iOS mobile devices, as well as on PC through Facebook games.
4: I wait to Ross County or a to Inverness, Cali, but in the sand, it's at the Stadio Alpi was a sore one um, and especially to lose the game as well when we'd come back I mean that second half performance from Celtic in that game was I can still remember it I've not watched it for years but I mean a gap in that second half was mm. phenomenal um, yeah. Did you call that
3: pub the volley like on train Uh Yeah Do, uh,
4: the
3: uh, volley playing pool
4: An actual fact An actual fact and uh, this won't go down well with uh, any watchers on this stream of of another team, uh, but it was it was nicknamed the Vatican in
3: Bathgate actually. So <laughs> the Vatican make volley, love it. You of that what you will <laughs> about the Cleon cell. Oh. Sorry, Tosh, if we ever. Come in late, we always play extra time on this podcast, don't we? Because I actually go by the uh, timer on the top left that, that I don't think you <laughs> can see, and that will definitely run to thirty minutes, uh, 60 minutes and sometimes over. So apologies if we were late, and thank you for joining us. As always, Sean McFadden. Another sunny day, you got to love it. Well, hopefully I'll see a wee bit of that, because I will be leaving the uh, studio at half past one and nipping up to see an old pal from... Penny Cook, who now resides in Spain. You might see him on Twitter from time to time. Scotty Allcroft. And he'll be coming in to have a wee look around the studio. So uh, I look forward to seeing Scott as well later on the day. And Magnet67, Hayaks on team. I hope those who can go head to Paradise to cheer the women on against Hibs on Saturday. Um, Yeah, absolutely, Magnet. There's an opportunity there on the season books to go and watch uh, the women's team um, headed by Fran Alonso, and in actual fact we're talking to Fran Alonso at half past one, Colin Watt will be in that press conference as well, all about this weekend, it would be great to see several thousand Celt- Celtic fans turning up to that game, and that's of course why we were invited up to Celtic Park yesterday, so they put on a, a wee event for fan media, mainstream media were there, where we were able to speak to uh, Tony Ralston, Caitlin Hayes and Natasha Miko was on the reporting duties for us so that video will be on the channel very soon um, but it brings up the subject to Tony Rouse and why he's actually at Celtic Park and the reason he's up there yesterday is because he's not an international duty JP and that, that begs the question and I know he was asked the question yesterday and he did say he was a bit surprised that he wasn't in the squad what's your take on that? I think for me he's definitely in that Scotland squad
4: Well I mean for a, for a game tonight you, you, surely you'd be uh, picking players that sort of try them out, you know, I mean I heard somebody on a I don't know if it was Super Scoreboard or something like that, somebody saying, you know, why are we uh, calling up the the usual suspects, you know, why why are we not using this game to sort of give other people an opportunity to show what they can do on on this stage, I'm not saying litter the team with inexperienced uh, Scotland internationals but, you know, maybe a bit of a better mix and, I mean is it because he's maybe not been playing consistently um, right back because I mean he, ha- he has been kind of in and out of the team, so there might be a bit of that. But um, yeah, I mean this game just came out of nowhere tonight against Poland. It was it didn't it didn't exist as a fiction until you know un- the unfortunate events of uh, what's going on over in Ukraine um, led the game against them to be postponed. So um, you know I would have loved to have gone to the game tonight. I've got Polish. Uh, Blood and you know I'd love to go and see a, a Scotland Poland friendly, but unfortunately I've already done my rota and I'm working a gig tonight at King Tut, so I i, I can't I can't do that. But I've heard it sold over 20, 20, 20 something thousand, so at least it's not going to be. I mean, for for the short notice that it was, that's quite good going, I think. Yeah. You know, because you know, like it's an if you announce a gig, you know, it's the same thing. You know, if you announce a gig like three weeks notice, people have got plans. You know. Not necessarily, you know, able to to, to go out or you know what. Once the Ukraine game was gone, people maybe just you know decided to do something else or whatever or go away for the weekend or something like that. So getting that sort of numbers in for, for tonight is good. And yeah, I feel I feel a bit for Andrew Nelson because that would have been an opportunity tonight for him maybe maybe to even start for, for Scotland. I know it's mm-hmm. not fanciful to say that you know there'll be people watching this will be like what are you talking about? But I mean we've we've watched them you know. Consistently, this season turn in, you know, <laughs> really, really top draw performances and play out of his skin and play to like the absolute maximum of his of his capabilities. You know, he's, he doesn't he doesn't does leave anything out there, um, and that's all you ever really want to see from a Celtic player is someone giving it giving giving it their all. They might not be the best right back in the world or left back or whatever position, but as long as you know that they're you know trying their hardest he makes it even more satisfying that you know he's a Celtic fan and he's come through the ranks Yeah, and he's had all those you know knockers on here as well you know we've all been like come on is Anthony Ralston really the answer for us at right back you know he's obviously not he's not done it at St Johnston he's not done it at Dundee United why would he suddenly do it at Celtic but he's everyone loves an underdog and Anthony Ralston within that Celtic squad is the ultimate underdog I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like there's no question about that. He he gets the bid for uh, the yellow bib for underdog. I think if a, if indeed was one, um, and I'm sure everybody's happy for him within the club that's been around him since that time, and ex-teammates as well will be looking back, going, "Wow, if I just maybe stuck it out, you know, if I if I'd have made the right choices," because like once you leave Celtic. That's it. You know I mean? It's 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 where do you go from there? Your your, your career is a, a roller coaster mm-hmm. at, at that point after that. And you know we've 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 watched and seen so many players leave Celtic over the years, and, and not really ever hit any sort of heights ever again. You know they've had consistent they've had they've had careers. They've probably been well compensated, but they've never really, you know, you know, really been that kind of uh, name on people's lips. You know, it's just been a another player in another
3: side this is the thing right <clears throat> so like yesterday the first thing I'd like to say is that um, Tony Ralston came across as the consummate professional and really really humble because we're watching to my left the, the footage actually getting edited total humility throughout his, his discussion the very fact that he's there you know he's there he should be a disappointed guy for not being in the international squad no I'm going to go up and help promote the the women's game on Saturday so brilliant that he was there and I'm sitting outside because you're allowed one reporter in and a cameraman stroke videographer so Natasha and Kelvin are in there and I'm outside and it's gorgeous and people haven't mentioned the the weather Um, but just to kind of soak it up because normally when I'm up at Celtic Park you don't have the time to soak it up it's just you get there, you get parked you get in the game and you're in the stadium before you know it so it was a quite uh, an empty space, JP, and I'm just sitting, enjoying that and looking about and doing as you do, up, up at the statues and stuff. And um, during that whole period that I was outside, maybe for an hour or so, the B team were filtering out of the stadium, finishing for the day and leaving and all this. And it di- I did cross my mind. I'm looking at them coming out in twos, jumping in cars and away they went. I think to myself, how many of these guys are actually going to make a name for themselves? And at the same time, one of the guys who 10 years ago was in that position is in Celtic Park getting interviewed by the Scottish press <coughs> and fan media. Um, and, and I just think that he has become that role model, isn't he? He is the one guy from that squad. Well, Tierney obviously made it as well. He's done all right. Um, <laughs> he is he is the, he's the other one that, that made it. Because it is normally only one or two from a group of players, you know, from yeah. a team. Um, and if one or two make it, you're doing OK if you look at the kind of ratio. But I'm just sitting there enjoying um, being at Celtic Park, as I always do, and sitting enjoying the sunshine. But I was thinking about the kind of um, relation of Andy, uh, sorry, Anthony Ralston's p- position at Celtic just a few months ago. And what happened to Andy Lynch. Now, I probably know a wee bit more because I spoke to Andy for his book uh, over a long period of time and interviewed him about every game. We went through every single game, GP that he ever played for Celtic, right? So I went over to Spain to finish the book. I'm diversifying, but there is a point to this. I'll pull it back in to the conversation. <laughs> I went over uh, uh, to Spain for a week or so, two weeks or something, and I took my Celtic football companion. If anybody's got that book, they'll know what it's like. It's like Celtic Bible. I think it runs up to 1987, 86 or 87, right? And it's got every game. And then in between games, if you buy a player, it tells you the date and the amount and who you bought them from. You know, in every game, it tells you if somebody missed a penalty, blah blah blah. So anyway, in this companion, you've got Andy Lynch signs for Celtic, right, 1973, but he disappeared, and there's a period of like 18 months where he doesn't play a single game for Celtic, not a single game. So we delved into that period of his uh, career, but also his life and how it affected him. JP, this isn't even me trying to plug the book, by the way, because there's no books to buy. They're, they're all gone. They're all long gone. But I found that bit the most interesting. I think we called it The, long, the Lost Weekend, but it was an 18-month period oh, like, where he, he John, I, I, what was... John Lennon's? John Aye. What was her name again? Maypa or something?
4: Was that when he was hanging out with, like, Hardy Nielsen and all that, and they just I, disappeared?
3: Aye. He disappeared and left his wife and everything. Um, but Andy didn't do that, of course. But he, he's no playing for Celtic he's on the scrap heap, he feels like that, it affects him up here and mm. I, I think about Ralston when I, when I think back to those conversations I had with Andy and how the, the mental toughness that you require to actually get back up and start fighting for your place and get back into the team and interestingly enough, JP, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this but the one guy that was kind of like Andy's anchor during that period was John Clark. So, so John Clark was the guy Right, and he was running the reserve team at the time. Right, and he used to say to Andy, Come on, you know, just work hard and just the pep talks that Andy needed during that period. But 18 months is a long time, and it was John Clark JP that switched Andy from a left winger to a left back, which then allowed him to get back into the Celtic team. And he obviously played at left back during such occasions like the double winning season in 1977, where he scores in the Scottish Cup final from the penalty spot against Rangers. He was playing left-back throughout the entire season when 10 men won the league. Captain decide for most of that season. But the guy that moved him to left-back was John Clark, who was yeah. the reserve team manager at that time. And Andy Ooh. will never forget that. But what it brings to mind is... what
4: Six years after Lisbon, to be fair. Like 1963 or... No, well, actually, no, later on. How, what year did he get moved to left-back?
3: 77.
4: 77, so so 10 years after Lisbon. Mm-hmm. So that's that's... That's quite wild to think that John Clarke at that point is only ten years a European champion, and so get, getting counsel from somebody like that—I mean, getting counsel from somebody like that now is amazing. But like getting counsel from somebody like that then, when it's still so kind of fresh, because I mean, that ten years ago seems like nothing.
3: I know that this is the, the strange thing uh, because Andy watched that team. Andy watched the Lisbon Lions, right? And I've said this a few times on the pod, but it's it's relevant to this story. When Billy McNeil scores the header against Dunfermline in the 1965 Scottish Cup final, and it hits the net, the yeah. first player, yeah. aye, the first player, the first person rather to touch the ball after that is Andy Andy Lynch because he's the ball boy. He's the ball boy that runs up and kicks the ball out the net. So in '65, he's watching guys like John Clark, and then John Clark's then getting him back into the right frame of mind to re-enter yeah. the Celtic side. So, pivotal, absolutely pivotal moment. What was the pivotal moment for Tony Ralston? Circumstance. It was just circumstance. We were left with nobody else to play. Well, right that, back.
4: that too, but then there's something that has been made quite a lot about players' uh, personalities and attitude. And, you know, the, the, the players that have been brought in have been assessed by Antipos Postecoglou as to how they are as people. So, You're not telling me that he hasn't gone round all the playing staff that were there when he arrived and made an assessment, either formal or informal, about that player's character and whether or not he's willing to give them an opportunity to prove themselves. And, you know, the fact that you're saying Ralston yesterday was a a humble guy and a a, a nice guy, that's obviously going to have served him well at that moment in time when, that crucial moment in time when Foster Cogwell is kind of going, right, what do I need here? Do I need this? Do I need that? Could, could he do the job for me? In the meantime, we'll see how he gets on because he's a nice guy and I, and I like the cut of his jib. Yes, OK, on you go. If he was a flash Harry and, you know, cutting about, dripping them Rolex and, you know, uh, fancy cars and all of that and, a, and too big for his boots as well some players can be at that age, no, just, no. No offense, you know. I've never been in that position, so I would never ever know what it's like to have that level of money at that age. I, I can only imagine. Um, but but he saw something in him at that point that's that's given him the opportunity to prove himself, and he's done it. And mm-hmm. it must be really satisfying for Foster Coglu to have been like, "Well, I made the right call on him," because yeah, look what he's done for me. He's contributed this season. Whether you think Andre Ralston is. A good right back or, or an all right right back, you cannot hide away from the fact that he has contributed massively to where we are right now, and we're sitting top of the table. And well, one of the games in particular, he scored the winning goal in the dying minutes of injury time, and it was incredible. You know, I mean, what a feeling that must have been for him to have gone through what he's gone through—the wounds, the you know, put out the door, not out of his, not, not out of his choice, but. Yeah, to get that goal must
3: have been massive for him. I always just go back to the fact that he's played under so many managers, right? And every single one of them's bought other right backs mm-hmm. during Tony's time at the club. And mm-hmm. he's outstayed a whole lot of them. So fair play to Tony Ralston, 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, is he Celtic's cult player? Is he the cult hero amongst fans now? JP, is that where we are with him?
4: Getting there a bit. I, I mean, I've seen a lot of. Uh, sort of things online, you know, where people are, you know, the the the, the kind of bought in, almost obviously the Celtic themselves have bought into this whole, you know, putting the bricks as the, you know, and when they when they when they post about them, you know, and that kind of thing, you know, it, it, it can end up kind of carrying a bit of weight and a bit of pardon the pun, obviously bricks are heavy, but uh, it, can, it can it can it can it can go somewhere, and you know we've we've seen it with other players in the past where you know, something becomes attached to that player and then all of a sudden they are a cult hero, you know. Um, but it's better to be a cult hero for the right reasons and the wrong reasons because, you know, Marvin Comper has become a bit of a cult, not hero, but like a cult, a cult figure, shall we say, um, and for the wrong reasons, because he's only played 60-odd minutes of football for Celtic and then mm. disappeared and then eventually Retired within what a year or two or something like that. So, so I, I'd far rather be the Anthony Ralston uh, cult cult icon or cult hero than 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 these other guys that have kind of uh, not contributed as much, shall we say. And um, as I said before, these guys are hungry because they've not they've not been the guys in the treble years or the quadruple treble years. They've not been the guys that. I've put their hands on a trophy and felt they've earned it. They've been the guys in a tracksuit or a suit, you know, and, and not because they've been injured, because they've been on the periphery of of the success. So now these guys have got the opportunity to taste that. How of course they're gonna be hungry for it. Of course they're yeah. gonna run an extra mile in a game, you know, uh, and and run themselves into the ground because they're like, Wow, we've got this opportunity to be that one of those guys. Like, that's what football's all about and that's what was sadly missing last season because we had first in that team that didn't that didn't have that hunger anymore and knew when it came out and said it, shouldn't have said it probably, but that was a large part of what went wrong last season. I'll never ever say otherwise. There's so many things as we've always said it was a perfect storm, but there was so many things about that team that were just that a lot of them had kinda of given up the ghost in terms of well, we've won this thing we've won this thing four years in a row. Everything. We've run four years in a row our race is run here we want more money and I and and moved to another club and that's what that, that, that was their sole agenda I think
3: and now you've got Ralston not only do you he's a brickie he'd run through a brick wall for you That that's the mentality that we needed last season some great comments coming in Keith Oakden good afternoon from glorious Plymouth and I hope that it's sunny one of the things I love about Plymouth right coming from Fife <clears throat> is there's a connection between Plymouth and Rosyth because of the docks right Mm-hmm. And there was always this myth and it was one of the ones you wanted to believe that a group of Plymouth Argyle fans came up to Scotland to meet all their mates that they had made through um you know the Navy and that at uh, Rosyth, right? And they went to watch they went to watch Dunfermline and they wrote on a banner P A R S, Plymouth Argyle Rosyth supporters, mm-hmm. which lent pars. Um, as the nickname to Dunfermline Athletic. But a lot of the historians... Aye. But ah. there's no proof. There's no proof. There's no pictures, you know. But a lot of the historians in Dunfermline say it's actually because our lines are par- yeah, parallel on the strips. So who knows? Uh, it's, Brian?
4: You see, yesterday there was a, a tweet saying that the Dunfermline badge... like Somebody said, surely this is the best, the best badge in Scottish football, talking about the Dunfermline badge.
3: Hmm. It's quite a new badge. Uh, because, again... Uh, yeah, aye. Oh, it was a school teacher, it was a local school teacher who designed it. Okay. And um, it's actually the, the building that's in that crest. Sorry, mm-hmm. we're diversifying, uh, mm-hmm. digressing mm-hmm. di- mm-hmm. mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. We do. That actual building still exists. It's in Dunfermline Glen. As soon as you walk into the gates from the high street, <laughs> turn right, and that wee building that's on the badge is on the right hand side. So there, there you, you go. go. If you ever want to go to Dunfermline, Visit the (laughs) Glen. There you are. A couple of facts of the day. Brian Roberts, come on, you girls in green. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, you know, season ticket holders can claim their free tickets to go and watch them uh, at Celtic Park in the sunshine. Hopefully, Sean McFadden, won the girls. Um, Good afternoon also to Lanky67, who's joining us for a bit of the chat. And it takes us on to the next subject uh, from Jungle Lion. That lot are going to get 700 tickets for the split game, so you might as well take the 700 for their place, but I'd rather take nothing. What's your thoughts, JP, on the, the ticket debacle between Celtic and Rangers at the moment? We've obviously accepted the 700 for Ibrox.
4: Yeah, I, I saw the price as well, £52,000. 52 bucks. yep. That is absolutely mental. Like, that's it going up the equation, because the last that's time done. it was £49, I'm sure.
3: 49, I've still got the ticket. I never ever got my refund for that. You know, the game in March before COVID. I've still got yeah. it in the glove box.
4: Yeah, well, I I mean, as far as taking the tickets are concerned, there's so many arguments for and against. There's people saying, oh, well, why would you not take an allocation when you're, you know, the, the alternative is having nothing and, you know, the opportunity is there to have fans there. I'm, the more, I was listening to Kev talking about it yesterday and the more I think about it, the more I think how enjoyable an experience would that be being so exposed to either side of, of, of those stands. And, you know, I, I don't know if it's fact or not. Somebody can maybe tell us if they've, been at, if they've been at one of those games where you're one of the 700 that all sorts of things are, are flung into the section mm. and like that, you know. It doesn't really sound like a great experience. Obviously, it would be a great experience if we were to go 1-0 up uh, within the first five minutes and see how their crowd react to that. But um, that might make things worse. Um, I I don't know. I saw someone suggest online that we should take the tickets and then uh, uh, donate the money to charity um, and just leave the the section empty. I think that would be... it's, It's certainly a thought, but it's also... You, it's one that you know that they would run with, and uh, you know, say that we we did it for the wrong reasons because we didn't want to be there or whatever. It's just such a it's just such a pathetic situation mm-hmm. that, that has arrived from from this. All oh, right, you're not getting the full stand anymore; you're only getting these seven hundred. And I I, I just I, I find it astonishing, and I think there's a lot of their fans as well that are like we're an unimpar- Well, you only need to see the the statements that have been. Getting flung about about you know everything else within their club. I'm pretty sure that is one of the things that they're probably that a lot of their fans are kind of like why why are we doing this like why why have you done this why have, this is this is a nonsense we want to go to their ground uh, and 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 hopefully see us beat them and uh, and and they, and we want to, and you know they want to come here it's like <clears throat> you'll get the rank and file fans that go home in a way that would you know travel. You know, as far as as far as they can uh, to see their team play, and they're being denied that opportunity. And I'm pretty sure it'll be those people as well that are kind of like, Wait, "We want to go to the game." Like we're we're missing games here, mm-hmm. missing experiences, missing memories, good and bad. And um, and you know, I'm exactly the same. I've 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 seen Rangers beat us heavily and handily at, at Ibrox. Horrible, horrible experience. I've also seen us absolutely annihilate them. The five-one game when Listic scored was—I honestly thought I was going to leave the ground. Like I felt like I was levitating. It was unbelievable. <laughs> it was one of the best experiences I've ever had. And they can talk about whoever was in their team at the time. They were all wearing a Rangers badge, so to me, it was they were representing whatever Rangers Football Club is now. And I saw us beat them five-one. And honestly, all the things in the nineties like almost evaporated at that point. To see, to see us, um, you know, absolutely hammer them. But likewise, I've seen them beat us 5-1 when the same season we won 6-2, I went to Ibrox and they beat us 5-1. It was horrendous. You know, it was really, really grim. And, you know, there's been other, other games as well where they, they've maybe beaten us by one or two. Um, but at least I was there. I hate not being at the games. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to go and watch that game and... The Brazen Head, or something like that, because the last time I watched this uh, play them at Ibrox uh, was in The Brazen Head and Johnny Hayes scored, um, which was, what God, that was like was September 2019 or something like that. Um, so, yeah. Um,
3: I'll tell you how I know it's September 2019 because I watched it uh, the last time I had a holiday. That was, was the last time. Yes.
4: And yeah, you you know. were away. Uh, did was, you watched it abroad. Hi. Uh,
0: Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet.
5: As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
3: I watched it with my missus, eh? And nah, a
4: selfie well. bar on a neutral bar.
3: No, nah, just a random, it was a proper random bar on a main road. But like, <laughs> it was, it was, pri- it was perfect. So you only it the graphics, Yeah. I, I was trying to educate the guy behind the bar, if I remember. But to, but talking about that, right, um, when when you speak to other people, right, if, if they were to come into this conversation having known nothing of the history of why there's this ticket uh, discussion going on, they would think something must have happened at one of these games. Mm-hmm. And when you give them the reason, oh, well, actually, they just decided that they didn't like us celebrating in a whole stand, or they wanted to sell more season tickets, or whatever the... Specifics is. People mm-hmm. would just kind of think that's embarrassing. You know, that really is embarrassing that you're only getting the 700. But going back to one of the points you made, Wee Declan was, was at um, the last game and mm-hmm. uh, somebody two rows in front of him was hit with a bucket of urine. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a, a cup, one of the plastic cups. So, aye, things are going to be thrown at you and in your direction. Paddy Lavery is also enjoying the sunshine and the dying. uh Good afternoon, Paddy. Uh, you're looking well in your avatar there as well. Let's talk a wee bit about the Ange Postecoglou interview. You can tell that he loosens up a bit when he's talking to the Australian press, JP, and that's understandable, right? That's not a criticism, because when you're doing press conferences and all that, it's all very much like you're sitting there and there's, you know, a big crowd of press guys and girls, and you know, some of the questions you're going to get asked are difficult and all this kind of stuff or a mischievous at times and then he seems to open up when he's speaking to the Australian counterparts and of course uh, over the last few days I think most people have had an opportunity uh, to look at some or all of the Mark Swartzer interview for Optus Sport Um, I found it quite interesting he was talking about the fact that he got more recognition in Japan than he did in Australia I thought that was quite interesting Um, but the other thing that really stood out for me and I'm going to bring this up from the Facebook uh, page as well Dominic McKay told us, didn't he? In Mm -hmm. that press conference that he was pivotal and he played a big part in bringing Ange to the club. But what Ange says in that interview is that Celtic had been tracking him for two years because he gave a lot of credit to Celtic in relation to the fact that, you know, some people might have viewed him as untested at any level. You know, there was a snobbery about a lot of people when looking at Japanese football, but Celtic weren't of that mind and they had been tracking him for two years so that, when the Eddie Howe deal fell through, they knew all about Ange. There was no real panic. And I think that was one of the biggest concerns at the time, JP, when we went and got Ange, call, it might have been a panic scenario. And I, I'm asking the question, is it Peter Lovell's ultimate parting gift to Celtic? Because um, if we've been tracking him for two years, he's Peter's man. He's Peter Lovell's man. You know, he's the guy that's been tracking him. There's, and he spoke about the connection to... The City Group, of course, mm-hmm. and, and the fact that there's a connection there between Peter Lowell and the City Group as well. So I find it very interesting that eventually, in all scenarios in life, the truth comes out, and it seems to be Peter Lowell was absolutely instrumental in bringing Ange Poster Coglu to Celtic.
4: Which makes you think, uh, What was did Dominic Mackay feel that he was the wrong guy in the wrong movie at that time? Because Peter Law. If Peter Law was the guy responsible for bringing the manager in, and Dominic O'Kane's got no experience in football, really. He's you know, he's a Celtic fan, a Celtic, yes, Celtic fan, as he said. But you know, his his, his game is rugby. Then surely he's going to have probably felt a bit. Kind of what am I doing here? Like, like I, I, I'm, just, I'm just coming in and I'm just steering the ship. Like I've, I've not plotted the the coordinates. I'm just steering the ship. You know, and and. Maybe he felt like he didn't have the, the responsibility or authority that he should have had and there was maybe all sorts of things going on maybe they didn't think he was the right guy or whatever, or not as good not anywhere near as good as, as Peter Lowell or whatever. But we did speak about this. We did speak about this a, a few months ago. I was saying like who who brought Ange Angelo go to the club and, and would you know, would it have uh, and I think we spoke about this last week. Or I can't remember if it was on air or off air. I think I mentioned it to Kev, but we, me, me and you haven't spoken about it. I, I messaged you and said, was the Dominic Mackay thing, did that help smooth the transition of Paraclusticoglu becoming the manager? Because if Lawwell had been, I mean, Lawwell's public enemy number one um, at that time, you know, for for blowing the, supposedly blowing the tent. I mean, has." Mm-hmm his hands were on the tiller for, for, for that, and, and he can't escape that because he appointed Neil and the, the signings were made under Peter Lowell's stewardship and whether he might have even been responsible for half of the signings, we don't know that. But if, if Mackay hadn't been there to be the kind of front, the, the front for Posta coming into Celtic, then it might not have been as, as smooth a transition. So... Mm. I anyway, think that's a
3: really good point, JP.
4: It's kind of weird how that happened and how it's transpired. So um, now that you know that it was him, and well, pretty much reading between the lines uh, from that interview, then you do know that like he—he's the guy that's sort of earmarked him, and like you said as well, interesting that there was interest from other European clubs, but nobody—nobody nobody was willing to sort of I say, gamble, probably. Mm. And Celtic had obviously done their homework. And to us at that time, it looked like it was like Eddie Howe all in, all eggs in one basket. And then all of a sudden, like Eddie Howe goes out, and then we're like, quick, who can we get? Oh, we'll get him with no homework done, with no kind of. Uh, that's how it felt.
3: That's how it felt. That's, yeah. that's,
4: that's, that's why everybody was kind of like, "What? Who? Like, like?" But at the same time, I was like, "That this has to be." I said, "I said this has to work. This cat, there's no alternative to this. This has to work, and it has to work." This season we cannot have another season like last season. And as we sit here right now, we've won a week cup, we're top of the league, we've beaten a Rangers team that supposedly was light years ahead of us, and we blew them away at Celtic Park. Mm-hmm. That seems to be conveniently forgotten by the, the mainstream media um, as they're talking up uh, that this, this Rangers team again for their European exploits. We, we, we dismantled them. Uh, and it could have been a hell of a lot more in that first half. Just watch the first half again to see it. You know, a tip of the cap to Rangers for getting through in Europe. You know, it's it's, it's fair play to them. I did say last week that I thought um, Red Star Belgrade would, would, would do something in that game. They did they end up beating them, but it wasn't enough. McGregor had another inspired game and he's got them through to the next round and they'll face the, the, the easiest side they could have got in that draw in Braga. Um, but I don't really know much about Braga or where they're at. But if, if they've come on in the last two years since the last time they played them, but the last time they played them, they went two and off against them, and the Rangers came back and won three two. We I think there was some sort of I remember I remember being in Copenhagen and watching that game, uh, and they they got a got a very fortunate goal through Hadji. I think mm. uh, I remember rightly. But you know, as well as that, their fans are suddenly realizing they're 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 not they're not as good as they thought they were last season. They're only the only reason they they won last season was because we were so so bad and so many things went wrong for Celtic. There was no there was never a challenge. There was never any pressure on them. There was no fans.
3: <laughs> we were we were a mess. We were a mess last season. Totally, it,
4: it, it was uh, they, they they absolutely cruised it last season with no pressure. They dealt with the pressure well on Sunday. They went to Dens Park, but I mean, you know, they went to Dens Park and, and struggled for a lot of that game mm-hmm. until until they got a, a break of the ball in the box and they, they they got the winner. And so on to the next one, and the next one is I got so,
3: yeah. talking about Dens Park. I, I feel a bit sorry for Mark McGee. I used to think he was great as a Celtic player, and he gets so much stick. Poor poor Mark, you know.
4: I I, I don't mean Mark McGee. Either. I mean no. I. Feel, picture as a joke because he did actually look that's uh, a quality,
3: quality picture Like,
4: I uh, have a picture of me in Kennedy in 1999 wearing a black short sleeve shirt and leaning against a pillar much like he did so that was more of a, a dig at myself as much as, as Mark McGee but no, I, I remember him as a player for Celtic as well and you can, I can remember uh, like, the way that Jock Brown used to say Mark McGee like when he was commentating like <laughs> there's a glorious goal from Mark McGee
3: Mindy uh, scored a hat trick against Saint Mirren, and one of them was a back heel. Remember oh, the that? back heel! We oh, beat them seven one, and he just did know, celebration. A
4: heel, and then the next time I saw a back heel go after that was Lee Sharp against Barcelona.
3: Oh, oh man, did he scored a hat trick that night. Lee Sharp, yeah. I remember that. I remember that game. There was a hat trick
4: scored uh, yeah, in
3: one of the Manu Barca games. I
4: think it was three three each against Barca, and he ran over the corner flag and did the Elvis That's
3: he did. I'm a lot of player, by
4: the way we start with different, different talking
3: of celebrations if this happens and, and I apologise for anybody who wants us to get back onto the subject of Ange but talking about celebrations remember that Chris Sutton celebration where he would yeah. run behind the goal. right I think I think that there's a Freddie Mercury thing in there like there's, there's shades of Freddie uh, honestly yeah, you watch the the band-aid the 1985 Radio Gaga he does all that and I'm like that's like Chris Sutton you know what I mean <laughs> um Although obviously Freddie came first, yeah. gamble. You use the word gamble. That's so the exact word I used. Remember when yes. we we appointed Dan Sports I said it's a sixty million pound gamble. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the gamble's paid off hundred percent. And another interesting thing that he said in that interview that we're referring to is that at the beginning of the season, all the discussion was about you know what can he what can he possibly do this season? We're a mess. You know, and, and even when he's taken over, there's some other players who were still at the club when Ange was appointed, because Ayer was still there, never kicked a ball under Ange Postacoglu, but he was there, and Edward was there, and Christy was there, and we knew that they were all going to leave, you know. Um, and we kind of thought, right, what's the expectations this season? And I was adamant, we can't afford to do anything except win the league. And I remember the conversation with Keb Graham, he said, well, you know, as long as we're still in touch and distance by Christmas, but what he alluded to was that his attitude was there was absolutely no other option than to make this season a success. There was nothing like this transitional season that mm. we heard a lot about. JPO season two, you kind of got to write that off. Season two. He says that was never an option, and that was great to hear from Ange.
4: Yeah, see, see, even if we've been bounced out of Europe in the first part, like if we'd got out, if we got knocked out of the Champions League qualifiers. And there was no parachute into Europa League, you know. I don't think anybody would really have been out of the pitchforks at that point, you know. I don't think anybody like you can say what you want like, but this season to be able to get anywhere in Europe and to be able to get any sort of results in Europe with the team in its infancy as it was 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 almost ridiculous. You know, like I remember being in the in the pub in Gracie's watching the Leverkusen away game and just being like. How, how are we doing this? Like, how how is this happening? Because, th- 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 I mean, what month was that? That was, like, October? Like mm. I, I mean, the guy's been in the job for, like, a, a few months and he's yeah. got us, you know, taking the lead against a Bundesliga side who'd beaten us 4-0 at Celtic Park. Like, at, at one point in that game, it was looking like we were going to qualify for the next round, which, that's just bonkers. So, if, if you take away Europe out of it, and obviously, then you've got the 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 bumpy start, you know, with the defeat at Ibrox, which was you analyse it wasn't a battering, wasn't a wasn't the same as what we did to them, put it that way. And uh, and then you've got the Harps and, and Livingston and things like that. But you know, we, to, to come through this uh, and and be where we are right now, yes, the league is not is not uh, guaranteed. Of course, it's not. Um, would never ever sit here and go, yeah, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. But I'm a lot more confident than I was in the summer last year because I've seen what these players can do and I've seen what they can do at different levels. I've seen them. I've seen them destroy Rangers. Uh, I've seen them, uh, you know, go toe to toe with a Bundesliga side. I've seen them beating, beat a, a Premier League side at Celtic Park and I've seen us beat F- Ferenc Vara's going away, and I've seen us win a League Cup with my own eyes in the stadium. It was amazing. So, you know, all these things are all up here for me to go into the next game and be like, wait a minute, well, there's no, there's absolutely no reason why we shouldn't be going into this confident. Maybe not, you know, oh, we're, we're going to win it and we're going to blow them away, but we can certainly go in with a, a degree of confidence that we haven't had for what or, or, or seems like a... Because of COVID, it seems like so, so long, you know? You know, these last, you know, the last few years... I mean, even before COVID as well. I mean, like, the League Cup final, we got away with one big time.
3: Oh, yeah. Know, yeah. That was so uncomfortable to be at that game. I mean, it was yeah. t- so tense.
4: Yeah, big time. And then, obviously, they beat us at Celtic Park, but then we still went on to win the league that season. So, you know, and they they... Drop points like it was going out of style at the in, in the March. Remember getting beat off Hamilton at home and all that. So
5: mm-hmm.
4: you know, uh, but I think it's been a while since we've gone in with that feeling that you know we can and and, and maybe should take uh, three points from this game. But it just as Ange Postacoglu said, every game is its own beast. There's you can never like it's 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 its own little. Mini movie where you don't know what's going to happen, you don't know how things are going to play out. You know, there could be injuries, there could be penalties, there could be sending offs. You know, you can't legislate for it all. So, based on everything that we've done this season, you know, it's still it's still ninety minutes of football, and it still could go, it still could go anyway. I mean, Ross County and Saturday, we were worried about that, and we completely destroyed them.
3: You know? Yeah, blew them away. I mean, and, and then other up. games like Dundee at home that you don't expect it to be an issue with became yeah. a bit of a a, tri- a a task, a potential banana skin. So
4: exactly, and, and Ross County's right. form is far better than Dundee's. Yeah, I and mean, mm-hmm. as well, uh, somebody made a point about this on. I think it was the I was listening to the Homeboys, and they said, you know, that whole "we don't stop" part. I mean, I said to the guy in front of me, "88 minute, Maeda's running and chasing down the goalie, and then." anticipating the pass or the mistake and then chasing that down as well. well I was chasing in the last, the last defender who then played it to the goalie and he chases the goalie as well. <laughs> I mean, that guy is... I, I, I will never, ever forget that guy next to me or oh, he's a fraud. Get him out. Oh,
3: remember. Thing is, Maiden must have pulled up on his way off the park um, and pulled out of the international squad <laughs> after that run. Um, Brown Warrior, that would depend on how he came about getting the job, surely. Um, well, yeah, that's the thing. You know, the margins. If if the Eddie Howe How was the first choice. I mean, you know, in, in the margins of where we would be now, who knows, who knows, JP? And I don't even want to think about where we'd be now um, had Ange Borsakoglu not got that job. Now, there's an interesting point coming in from Jungle Line that I'm going to bring up in a second as well. Pat Burns, uh, afternoon from sunny south-east Wexford and Ireland. Afternoon to yourself, looking great, sitting there in the Celtic dugout. Uh, Pat, thanks for joining us and Jungle Lai in Japan qualified for the World Cup this morning, so obviously um, that is something to consider when we're away in Australia as to who's going to be in the squad and who's going to be on international duty uh, in November as well, JP. Another thing, because we're focusing on on to call glue, is he spoke about Europe, he Europe. spoke about European ambitions, and we keep criticising the club for this, because we never seem to know what the ambitions are in Europe, and I, and I know that you know it's very difficult, and I don't know why the club wouldn't actually communicate their ambitions. So all we hear is how difficult it is for a club like Celtic to compete in Europe. That's and that's very defeatist. And the way Ange came out and he spoke about how you know Celtic are in a a very select group of teams who have actually won this tournament. You know he says, and because of that, you've got to strive for European success. And it was great to hear our manager. Um, speak like that and actually you know communicate to the fans that we do have ambitions and it was a bridge too far this season we know that now you know Um, but he does have ambitions how did that make you feel as a Celtic supporter that you know what we're not just going to be there to to pick up the bounty right because it's almost become we need that that bounty we we never speak about the actual ambition to progress in Europe so it was brilliant it was refreshing to hear Ange talking like that
4: yeah I mean You don't want to just go pick up the huge check and then get battered.
0: Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for.
5: As the number one audio
0: company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
4: Uh, everywhere you go, <laughs> as the song uh, goes. No, nah, I mean, like, you look at Postecoglou and the way, he, uh, the way his attitude was to Europe this season, if he can get a tune out of that team at that point, uh, then the idea of him being able to do it after having a full year with them is, you know, it's it's quite exciting to be honest. Because you know, he could have just been like, I'll for, I'll forego Europe, and I don't think anybody would have given him a lot of hassle if he, you know, I'm not saying played a, a shadow side or anything like that, but you would have known, like for example, the away game in Bodo he basically kind of went, right, we're, we're not going to attempt to go for this here. I could play a full strength side. And then the argument would be there for to say, well, you know, what about the Celtic fans that made the effort to travel over there? However, the bigger picture was, I'd honestly, right now, as things are, would rather not have the distraction of Europe because you're seeing a freshness about the Celtic players. You know, as I said last week, if if Rangers don't get to the final as they think that they're going to um, and we don't like what real good is that if they don't win win the league (laughs) you know like it's all very well saying oh we got to a semi-final in Europe like great what did they do for you at least your profile in Europe granted but ultimately your your sole prize this season was to win the league just like it is for us so Mm -hmm. the freshness that we are having and the ability to train you know for a week um, and people watch this and go, "Oh, you're just saying that cause." I'm like, "Well, no, I, I can see the difference that not having the the, the, the extra games and the travel and everything else, um, and also don't forget the the you know getting beat is as something that no team likes to, to to experience. So if you're going and you're getting beat off another side, then it'll dent your confidence mm-hmm. because you're not you're not at that level, and we're not at that level yet. To, to go and beat a, a team like Bodo Gunt. I do think that maybe, you know, one one out of three times we play them at Celtic Park, we'd probably beat them. I don't think they're that good. I don't think they're that good that they, that they, that they would beat us every time. But on the, time, on the occasion we did play them, they beat us. And then they beat us away from home as well. And they've now qualified for the next round. And, you know, they'll, they'll be setting their sights on the final. That's fine. But we have bigger fish to fry in the league is 100% the,
3: the, the, the main prize you know this right um, somebody's coming in JP um, Sean McAteer it is Sutton celebration came from Royal Fox remember Real Fox
4: yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Teammate yeah. Bro.
3: he's an old teammate. Ah, that was a good side actually remember they beat Bayern Munich in Europe you remember Jeremy, the- Jeremy Goss scored that belter of a the worst thing about that Norwich team was the strip it was a horrible strip. Um and it doesn't age
4: well either. Speaking of strips by the way, you know, obviously I've always got strips up and stuff. <clears throat> My mate Mikey was at that classic football shops pop up at, uh, <coughs> at sneakers ER in the Galgate. Right. At the moment. And they've got a full rack, obviously, of Celtic strips. And he took so he took a picture of the you know, the yellow and green CR Smith with the, the arrows going down in the collar. Yeah. So I've, I've got that right, and uh, that that that's going for two hundred pounds in that in that pop up shop. Wow, the, the replica,
3: the replica.
4: Hi, the replica. Like, I'm not, no, not the not, one of the, not not a Schneider. It's an original. Wow. Um, so, like, 200 quid. I mean, that is absolutely...
3: That's insane. insane. We were actually down... I'm, I'm, by the way, again, but this, I'm sorry, this should come with a wee warning that JP and I do like to just take wee diversions from time to time. I was looking at that sh- that jersey behind you, right? We've got a classic Adidas shirt at the front there, and we've put the shamrock on it, and we're going to give it away at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually waiting on for some artwork coming in, and we're going to give it away to one of the listeners, right? And we've got a few. We've got a, a yellow one from the 90s, you know, with the almost like the Germany um, zigzags things on it. And i have got a cap track tracksuit, so all shamrocked up, right? Mm-hmm. So we were actually down in London. Don't know if I mentioned that I drove all the way down to London and back in the same day. Bad idea. Uh, but we were talking to a, a, a football jersey aficionado, and his name is Neil Herd. He's written books about football jerseys. He's, he's totally obsessed with it. It's brilliant. And he loves trainers. So he's got two big interests, trainers, and football jerseys and he now works for Maba who make both so he's got his dream job right and we were just you know chewing the fat whilst Kelvin set up the camera and stuff like that and he was talking about how he loves the green and white hoops. You know, he says it's one of the classic football jerseys. He's not a Celtic fan. He, he, he supports Newport County. Uh, he says, but it's one of the classic jerseys, the green and white hoops, you know. Um, it's instantly recognisable around the world and all that. It was great to hear a neutral talking like that about Celtic. And we're talking about some of our favourite jerseys. And I said, you know, I, I used sure to love that Netherlands kit that they wore at Euro 98, uh, sorry, Euro 88. Rue Van Basten, Rijkaard, Koeman, you know, with the the kind of zigzag look, it yeah. was Adidas. Mm-hmm. I said, I just wish that Adidas would bring back, you know, the, the unbroken stripes down the sleeves and the trefoil. Because even that Sweden shop you've got there, you know, the stripes stop there. Yeah. You know, that was the two classic looks. It says that he knows somebody that works in Adidas. And there's a group of people within Adidas who totally agree with that sentiment. They mm-hmm. want a return to the trefoil badge and the stripes. So the people who make the big decisions said, you know, Let's try it. So they made a few prototypes for some of the, the nations that they were actually supplying kits for, and they made a Germany strip in the old style. And all these football aficionados, JP, were like, wow, this is going to sit." But the top brass don't like it. They like the Adidas equipment three-stripe badge, and they like the stripes. Modern. They'll,
4: they'll, they'll think that it's too niche. They'll mm. think that, I, I'm only guessing, but I'm, I bet you any money they think it's too niche and it's too retro and it's too... It marginalises it, whereas they'll think that they'll sell more tops because the Adidas equipment badge is more recognisable. People will look at the the check oil and they'll be like, "What's that?" You know, yep. like younger folk. You know, not that don't remember the old the old strips, but um, I did see a thing last night saying that that, that um, the Man United and Adidas, uh, the Man United and Arsenal strips are going to be kind of a bit more retro next season. There's been some leaked images of them with a collar. Mm. Uh, <coughs> I can't even remember if the trefoil's on it or not but um, but yeah uh, it's a, 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 give, give me a trefoil I'm just waiting for the day that Celtic at uh a, a, a trefoil range of, of stuff I no will way. I will be very very poor that, that week that's for sure because I'll just want to get it all like if there is a trackie or something like that
3: it'll be amazing I know. there was actually JP a jersey you would have loved talking about uh, old trefoil because it was a man you one. Uh, umbro, green and yellow you know the half and half green and yellow yeah, one. it was hanging up in the office um, wow. when we went down to Maybach as well you would have loved it
4: years seriously um, played for Man United I didn't even, I, I, somebody mentioned something about him playing for Man United and I went what? No he didn't and I googled it and he, he was at Man United in the early 80s and then mm. I googled it and there's a picture of him where I think it's Ray Wilkins as he's signing and he's got this amazing uh, Man United uh, home top on with the check oil and sharp. <coughs> I just honestly, obviously before my time, I was like three at that point. So I don't remember Peter Beardsley playing for Man United. But,
3: Did he go yeah. to Vancouver Whitecaps after Man U and then he comes back to Newcastle? Is that right?
4: Uh, I, I, I don't remember the trajectory but he obviously played for City as well. Like, uh. it's absolutely. Been a, what a weird career. And mm-hmm. obviously Celtic, as you've said, have been in amongst that as well. I'd point. have loved
3: that. I loved Beardsley as a player. I thought he was absolutely brilliant. There are there are these wee strange things. I mean, um, Alan McAnally, Big Rambo, played one game for Everton. Look it yeah. up. He played one game for Everton. Um, and you, there's pictures of him playing for Everton in the 1980s. And it was... Uh, I'm not going to tell you who organised it because... He's, he's a player who should never be named or mentioned on the Axon podcast. But yeah, it was in the 1980s. Before we go, JP, it would be rude not to talk about music because that is where you spend most of your time uh, working in an in- industry. You will have noticed that there was a, an announcement on our socials that we have set up our first live music event. Um, mm-hmm. A Celtic State of Mind is part of A State of Mind, which is a media company which owns the channel. And we are um, going to be in Leith, and the date is the 18th of August, and the event is called Up the Junction, for any Squeeze fans out there, because it's on Junction Street. And uh, the headliners are the one and only Glas Vegas, a band I love and have loved since their early days, since I actually, and this shows my age, since I listened to them on Myspace. I've loved Glass Vegas, because they released their demos on MySpace, didn't they, before they were signed. Um, What's your your thoughts or your experiences of Glass Vegas, JP? Big Celtic fan, James Allen, ex-footballer?
4: Yeah, I I got to know them. I used to write for a magazine called Business Music, and um, I saw that they were supporting a band called Tiny Dancers, who were... They were flashing the pan band. I don't think they've really gone on to become anything. They had a lot of label backing at the time, but they were playing Cabaret Voltaire and Las Vegas were the support. And I, I'd, I'd heard a bit about Las Vegas. I'd heard that Alan McGee was, you know, uh, sort of championing them a bit, um, but they weren't well known really. It was only like like underground, you know, chat that was sort of uh, about them. So I went along that night specifically to see Las Vegas, and they came on stage, uh, and it was back when they were a wee bit more kind of rockabilly. Like Rab had the gingham, red and white gingham, uh, short sleeve shirt on. Paul had the three D, like yeah. actual old school three D shades. <coughs> Looked like something it of Back to the Future. In fact, they, they actually did look like Back to the Future. Like that uh, bad. <laughs> and then James James comes on with a leather jacket, white t shirt, looking like Joe Strummer. And they had Caroline as a stand-up drummer, which is like Mo Tucker, um, and it was—I remember just being like, whoa, this is!" And they played a set that had "Go Square Go," uh, "Daddy's Gone." They covered "Be My Baby" by the Ronettes, um, and then after the gig, they were all standing at the bar, all, all wearing black. You know, by that point, and uh, I approached what looked like the manager, and turned out it was uh, Denise, who is mm-hmm. sister. And I just said, oh, here, like, I write for a magazine. I'm, I'm going to write a review of this gig. Um, I'd love to send it to you. And she introduced me to the band, got to know them. And then the next thing, I wrote a review. <laughs> and in the review, I said, uh, talking about Go Square Go, I said, if this isn't heard en masse in the Barrowland within a year, then uh, I, I, there's, some, there's something wrong. And uh, it, did, it happened within, within a year. I was standing in the middle of the battleland as Go Square Go, 2,000 people going going uh, Toronto for it, and I just been pals with them ever since, really. And I know Denise really well. She's looking after a lot of acts now that uh, come into touch quite regularly. And <coughs> her her husband Marty is um, he's a sound engineer. He does uh, uh, Joseph, who's like a hot new oh, yeah. uh, singer from Glasgow, and um, just played recently in New York. I think sold out a, a venue in New York. His first gig in New York. Um, so yeah, and uh, he does obviously uh, mix his Las Vegas as well. And I, the, the, I just kind of, I, I just was with them at that point, and I remember going into my flat one day and got a phone call from Sony, Sony Columbia, and this guy Chris was like, "Hi JP, and, yeah, we just wondered if you could um, uh, maybe do some some features on the band. Like it's, it's, it's blowing up, and we don't, we want to kind of like we want to kind of bring it back a little bit because it's getting a bit too big too soon." Uh, they were on the cover of the NME and stuff like that and I went, yeah, okay and then they went, right, if you want to go on the road with them do like a sort of on the road blog thing and I went, aye, alright so, I mean, I was with them in Ocean's Nightclub in Kirkcaldy, um as Daddy's Gone was blowing up and I remember Stan, have you ever been in Ocean's Nightclub in Kirkcaldy? Probably you know under a different name Aye, well, it was like a big kind of open plan space, and it had like a.
3: The club a, was under a different name. I was not under a different name. Oh
4: right, yeah <laughs> there was like an upstairs glass bar that looked down on the on the on the dance floor, and mm-hmm. it was like being in like Scarface or something. And I remember just standing up, and the crowd were going bananas. People on folks' shoulders, and I'm in the room with the band, and they're all like psyching themselves up for going on stage and. I mean as I saw that I was like, This is gonna happen at Tea in the Park. This is gonna yeah. And then mm-hmm. the next thing they headlined uh, or played the King Put's tent at Tea in the Park and it had to get locked down because it was full and there was people like climbing under I couldn't even oh, get in. Oh yeah,
3: under under I the, the tap
4: yeah. I'm not getting in that. That's that's full. <laughs> cool. I, I missed that I missed that moment and that experience um which was annoying, but um yeah, they, 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 it, was, it was great it was great to see something the lies. Happen and then you know they 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 consistently play to um, you know Battleland size crowds now you know I, I saw them at Battleland a couple of years ago doing the the ten years of the of the uh, the, the first record mm-hmm. uh, was it ten years ah yeah ten years god it's not not that old um, but yeah really nice people and uh, that will be a great a great gig because their songs translate so well uh, and work acoustic as well and. You know, everybody knows the words, so you have you know, they don't, sometimes they probably don't even need to play or sing, you know, they just strum a chord, start the song, and then you've got a whole room singing, you know, Flowers and Football Tops or oh, that,
3: you know. uh Classic, classic. Yeah. The thing is, if all the other bands on the bill just sing, it'll be a good atmosphere. There's a loving bands on the bill. Um, um, I'm just wondering, that nightclub you mentioned it might, have, it might have been called Jackie O's in Maddie. Remember they sponsored Raith Rovers? Uh I don't
4: know. I, I I remember hearing of Jackie O's, but I think Jackie O's existed at the same time as Ocean's nightclub. Um, I don't know what I don't know. I'm pretty sure Ocean's stood on its own. Uh it was it was huge. It was like a it was like a, a sort of mini super club. Like, it reminded me of a wee bit of room at the top and Bathgate Oh but, memories. But, but smaller, but smaller. Um, but it it wasn't really the type of venue that you would expect them to play a gig at. You know, it was more of a nightclub, but they just created a space and a stage. And on that same run, they played the Foo Bar in Sterling, which I'm sure Kev Graham has uh, frequented before.
3: I bet he has uh, next door to Abra Kebabra, which is the I, best name ever for a kebab shop.
4: Actually, Kev said he was at that that gig that mm. I was at. That I was writing about them. Uh, Kev was at that Foo Bar gig, um, so there you go. So that I know each other.
3: Memories of Kirkcaldy nightclubs, the other one I remember, which is uh, a pub, I think, was uh, Panthers. But let us know, I don't go to Kirkcaldy that often, even though I live in Fife. But Panthers, you can just imagine, it was well-named. That's all I'm right. going to say.
4: I haven't been to Dr Bell's Bath, the, the venue. Um, I know that Nicky Lip, um who was on State of Mind and played touch on Saturday last week, he filmed some... Uh, uh, I've had... Like some, some content there, like some live footage. So uh I do know that it was a former community bats. But I've never I've never actually been in it for a show, so hopefully I can make it along on the eighteenth of August.
3: Absolutely. Yeah, and anybody else who might be interested in getting involved. It is a charity gig as well. Um we will be putting the links for a ticket <laughs> on Friday at ten AM. Thanks everybody. I'm not believing this for Sean, by the way. I think it was Freddie Mercury. Thanks, everybody, for getting involved. And uh, thank you, everybody, for supporting A Celtic State of Mind. Make sure that you subscribe on the channel. We're going to start giving away some free gifts, some of the Shamrock stuff that we've got. If you want to buy one of these, sorry, one of these. um, Also, that was a wee Swedish vibe there. That's why I put the yellow one in. They are available on eBay or on axom.net. And uh, all that all that does is it helps us to build the channel. So thanks, everybody, for getting involved in that as well. I always love my Thursdays, JP. It's an absolute pleasure. Thanks for joining me on A Celtic State of Mind.
5: When MMA fighter Clay Guida was
0: losing his hair, he trusted Bosley to get it back. Now it's your turn. Get a free information kit, plus get a $250 off gift card when you text SCORE to 203203. That's text SCORE to 203203. Don't wait. Text SCORE to 203203. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet.